welcome back, welcome back to the Fan in the Van podcast. Oh, God. Sometimes, you know, I, I just don't get the Yankees sometimes. You know, obviously, uh, they played the Guardians, formerly the Cleveland Indians, on Sunday. Can't muster a hit, can't muster a run. Um, I just don't understand it. And the doubleheader that they had to play, you know, they were mashing home runs everywhere, scoring runs. And it leads to the it leads to one of the many problems with this conception that we have to keep Joey Gallo. When you have Andahar, who's been called up and down, this kid's been up and down more times than a stripper at the Spearmint Rhino on a guy's crotch all night, okay? And yet we're not giving him the opportunity that he actually deserves or... Uh, the other kid, Florial, and there's somebody else I forget that's been mentioned who's been on the tear in, in AAA. But yet, we're keeping Gallo, who will legitimately go 0 for 4 every night, guaranteed 2 to 4 strikeouts. And at the trade deadline, I'm sorry, he has to be packaged in one of these deals to get either Montas out of Oakland or get Castillo out of the Reds. I'm sorry, the Joey Gallo experiment has got to come to a goddamn end here. Every time in a big spot, if he's up, it's guaranteed strikeout, ground out, double play, pop up, just sit there looking at strike three. It's abysmal. It's utter bullshit, especially on a Sunday where Jordan Montgomery pitched a hell of a game, and yet this. And, you know, fans of other teams that sit there and go, you know, I don't know why you're getting so upset. You guys have like a 14-game lead in the AL East up on Toronto and up on Boston and up on Tampa, like a 20-plus game lead over Baltimore. Who's been on a tear, Baltimore. But it's a little too late. This tear Baltimore is going on. They should have made all these moves in the offseason and called all these younger kids up. But Baltimore is going in the right direction to totally not bash Baltimore in this scenario. And I understand we have a 14-game lead over practically everybody in the AL East. I understand we're eight games up on top of everybody throughout Major League Baseball. I get all that. But, again, it doesn't matter what the damn record is. What matters is that we're scoring when the opportunities are there against these bad teams like the, like the Cleveland Guardians or even Tampa and against, you know, the, the Marlins. And we got to play Pittsburgh tonight. I think in Pittsburgh, actually, yeah, it is at PNC Park. And Talion's going up against his former team for the first time since he's been traded. This is a series. Has to be a sweep. Has to be a sweep. You should not score any less than six runs a game here against Pittsburgh. Okay? I'm sorry. I hate to say it. The Pirates are just not a good franchise. They have decent pieces, but ownership there doesn't give a shit about your fan base. They do not care. Nor will they ever care. Okay? Look at everybody they've ever traded off. And look at where they are now. And Jamison Talion is a key piece. He's one of the guys. Look at him now. What is he, like 9-1 with the Yankees? I mean, yeah, he had an okay season when he came here. I understand that. But look at him this year. He's far improved from when he first got to the Bronx. Garrett Cole, former Pirate. You would have had your number one and two in Pittsburgh but no, because ownership there doesn't want to spend money. Ownership doesn't care about the fan base. And yet the fan base cares so much about this team. You want to talk about diehards. You want to talk about diehard baseball fans? Pittsburgh is one of them. Um, one of the other things I wanted to discuss. 
And it was a good question that I had seen. I forget where it was. Maybe on Facebook or it might have been a Twitter poll. Do sports age, Do sports athletes really need sports agents? And the reason why this is coming up is because of the whole thing with Freddie Freeman, the Braves, his agent, you know, the final offer. Why didn't the agent tell him? And me and Jay were discussing it a bit, I think, Sunday night. Or maybe it was Saturday night. And... You know, I can understand his agent not telling him anything if the offer was practically the same. But do athletes really need agents? It's a yes and no answer. And you'd be like, how is this a yes or no answer? Well, because you have athletes that know how to negotiate for themselves. Okay, you have ones that just have that common sense where they know how to go to the table and bargain. And there's those that just don't know where they ask for the most exuberant things and the most ridiculous contracts and the most ridiculous amount of money. And that's why you have sports agents. Pretty much a sports agent does the dirty work for you. And then they get whatever commission they get off of your contract. And one of the best to do it is Scott Boris for as big of a jack off as he is. He's one of the best to do it. He's gotten a lot of his clients, a lot of big money deals. So the answer is it's yes and it's no. And it probably confuses some of you. You probably scratch your head, your balls, your ass, your fucking elbows. How's this a yes or no answer? Because again, it depends on the athlete, depends on the person. It's as simple as that. For me, if I was a sports athlete, I wouldn't need one. I wouldn't need one. Because why should I pay, why should I pay somebody to do something I already know how to do. So, but was Freddie Freeman's agent wrong? Yes, Freddie Freeman's agent was wrong. He should have told, even if it was the same amount of money, okay, he still should have said, listen, you know, Atlanta's willing to offer you the same as the Dodgers. You know, are you willing to stay in Atlanta? Now, mind you, they'd already gotten Matt Olson. And this is where all the sports fans and the media said, well, they're definitely not keeping Freeman. Because they gave Olsen pretty much the extension that Freeman would have got. And in a perfect world, would Freeman and Olsen had worked well in Atlanta? Yeah. But the thing is, with, with a lot of athletes and a lot of baseball players, you can move certain ones to different positions and they'll fit in fine. Freeman, to me, I, I hate to say it, I don't see him playing anywhere else in the field other than first base. He's built to be a first baseman. Matt Olson could probably play third base, and you could have moved him to third. That's how that could have worked. But the agent didn't tell him, and now he's in L.A., and a lot of this has come out because of the whole Atlanta and, and the, the, the latest Dodger Atlanta uh, series, and it was Freeman's first time back to Atlanta, and it was all emotional, and people were kind of like mocking it a bit. And I'm sorry, Freddie Freeman has been there since... You know, his career started, okay? And I don't blame the guy for getting emotional. You know, he was a, he was an intricate piece to them winning the World Series last year. He is who the Atlanta Braves are, okay? And for you to sit there and mock it, you just don't understand. See, again, this is where you fans forget that these athletes are humans and they have the same emotions we have. And they're allowed to have them. We can't just sit there and say... You know, oh, he can't cry. He's an athlete. No, he's a human. He's a human first and an athlete second. That, 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 that's what you guys are forgetting here. 
Now, in a hypothetical situation, what if Atlanta had offered Freeman $10 million more? Let's just say. Would the Dodgers have offered $15 million more? We don't know. But again, an agent's job is to do the right thing by their client, whether it be in baseball, football, hell, even, even in Hollywood. Okay? All right? And... In this situation, Freeman's agent should have told them Atlanta made one more, one more gesture for you. They still want you. But I guess maybe the agent figured, well, you know, they already got Olsen, so whatever deal they offer next is really kind of just a BS thing anyway, just to kind of make themselves look better in the public spotlight. So let's make Atlanta look bad in this situation, and let's make Freddie Freeman the hero. You know, the guy who was the guy who was exiled from Atlanta because they went with somebody else at first base instead of instead of the heart and soul of the Braves in Freddie Freeman. And for that, his agent's wrong. We all know it. Your job as an agent, again, whether it's in baseball, football, hockey, doesn't matter. Your job is to do what's in the best interest of the client, not what's in the best interest for you. Obviously, he goes to L.A., he's going to get a bigger bigger commission because the contract's that much bigger. So, of course, his agent is going to tell him go to, go to L.A. Because he's going to tell him go where the dollars make sense. And that is agent's writing. But his agent's wrong from a, from a morality standpoint of, you know, not telling him. Not telling his client, hey... This team that drafted you and brought you up through that minor league system and you made them a World Series team, hey, they offered you something, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you what it is. I'm not gonna bring that to your attention. No. Go to LA so I can get a bigger piece of your pie that you work so hard for. So if I was Freddie Freeman, I'd fire that agent. You know, but you can't undo what's been done now. You know. And it's a shame because you you have guys like Scott Boris who they're 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 guys who you know it's my client deserves this this is where we're standing firm at that's it. But Scott Boris has also been known to be an agent who will tell his clients, listen, I understand LA's offering you something, but hey, why don't you look over here because this surprise team's got a little more. I know it's not the sexiest team in the world, but they got money to spend. You know, maybe you should go there. That's that's in a conflict where it's, again, that's what's best for the agent because the bigger the contract, the percentage stays the same, but the money's much more. For those who for those trying to understand it, the the bottom line is this: agent gets a percentage of what the athlete makes. Because they're the ones negotiating. Whatever the percentage is, it's different across the board. Scott Boris could probably get 15% of what every single one of his clients make. That, you know, Scott Boris right now is probably already getting whatever deposit into his account. And he hasn't even scratched his balls yet waking up before he takes a leak. Okay. While the rest of us in the world have to wake up and, and, and work our miserable nine to fives. But hey, that's life. Um, you know. As far as the NBA goes, it's getting really it's getting really interesting now. I read something where about the Knicks where they have no idea what they're doing, and this goes really far back. You know, this goes back to 
you know, when they signed Robin Lopez to like a three-year, $40 million deal, and he wasn't even worth that. When they signed, you know, all these guys to these big money contracts because they had cap space. And it's like, okay, well, let's give Tim Hardaway Jr., who, mind you, isn't a bad basketball player. Just, to me, wasn't a New York fit. He's just not a New York guy. You see what he does in Dallas as being the number two to Luka Doncic. And, you know... Some guys just don't pan out in New York. But this Jalen Brunson one is really the reason why this article was written. And I forget who wrote it, but it was a pretty good one. And yeah, there's a lot of miserable contracts that the Knicks have given out. And you wonder why your team hasn't been in playoff contention or Eastern Conference Finals or or an NBA Finals appearance. It's because you got a bunch of idiots in the front office that don't know what they're doing. It's just like... Oh, well, we got, you know, $105 million in cap space, so we're just going to give this guy who isn't worth the money, you know, we're just going to give him the money. And like I said with the NFL, where you're setting the bars for, for certain guys, like, okay, well, Derek Carr got this, so now Deshaun Watson is getting this. So Kyler Murray automatically gets what Deshaun Watson got. But they're two different caliber players. This is the problem with overinflating contracts when you have cap space. I understand you have the money you want to spend and put it back into the team. But be 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 smart about it. Jalen Brunson's not a four-year $104 million player. He's a four-year $40 million player. You overpaid by $64 fucking million. You're paying Julius Randle all this money because he had one good year. Show me two, three good years in a row. We could talk a Supermax. You know, and then when you look at the at the Brooklyn side of things, you know, the whole Kyrie and KD thing now. Now there's, obviously, everybody's going to come out with their mock draft, draft proposals. You know, one I'd actually seen, and it's not a mock one, is Durant back to Golden State. And Golden State's going to give up Jordan Poole, James Wiseman, I forget who the third guy is, and Andrew Wiggins. I understand you trade KD, you get a little younger in every position. There's one where I've seen Seth, Seth Curry and Kyrie go to L.A. Um, it was like a four-way. Utah gets Durant and Ayton because Phoenix was involved in this trade, the tra- uh, trade proposal. And then there was two other teams. Obviously, Brooklyn gets, Brooklyn gets a ton back from everybody. And Ben Simmons goes to Phoenix. It's going to get interesting where these two pieces go. And it's funny because as much as I can't stand Skip Bayless a lot, he had a a good take on this on, on Twitter. He said, you know, if the coach is the problem in Brooklyn and the players, your two star players, along with countless others, can't get along with the coach or don't see the coach as the guy to take them to the finals. Now, the coach can only do so much. It's the guys on the court that got to produce. So we can't put all the blame on Steve Nash. Kevin Durant's got a holster that blame. So does Kyrie. So does, you know, Simmons and and, and everybody else. Even though Simmons hasn't played a game for Brooklyn yet, he's still got a holster. Okay, because he could have played and he chose not to. All right. So if you don't like the coach and there's a problem with the coach, you as a team could go to ownership and say, listen, this guy isn't the guy to get us over the hump. You know, we want to stay here. 
Now, mind you, Brooklyn paid Kevin Durant $40 million for him not to play when he was rehabilitating his Achilles injury. Okay? We all remember that. He then got Brooklyn to sign, you know, DeAndre Jordan and get him a boatload of money when DeAndre Jordan was washed up. Okay? All this the Nets have done for Durant and for Durant to sit there and say, I want out now, you know, is a bit extreme. If the coach is the only problem, it's a simple solution. Bring in a different coach. If it's really that irreparable between Kyrie and Nash and Kyrie and Kate, Kyrie and Nash, obviously, and then KD and Nash, and then all these other players. If the if the majority of the consensus says the coach is the, the issue, as much as I hate to see a coach ever get fired, because again, the, the, a coach can only do so much. A coach can only get you so far. It's you, the player, that has to get everybody else over the top. So in Brooklyn, the key simple solution is you don't trade Durant and Kyrie. You move on from Steve Nash. Who do you bring in? You could try to lure Van Gundy out of ESPN. And I think Jeff Van Gundy would be the right guy in Brooklyn. I mean, look what he did with the Knicks, even though they never won a championship under Van Gundy. Those Knicks teams played with some fire that you don't see now. You don't see it. You know, you could bring... I'm trying to think. You know, bring in maybe Jacques Vaughn. Is who is Nash's assistant? Apparently, they all have a great relationship. Promote him the head coach. Promote him. But to sit there and you're going to trade off Kyrie, Kyrie and KD when you're at least a piece or two away from being that championship team you should have been is insane. But Brooklyn's going to go the other way. Brooklyn's going to sit, sit there and say, "Hey, you know." We're going to keep Steve Nash. And you two are going to go. So, do you blame Brooklyn in this scenario? To, to, to me, it's an utter shit show and everybody has to share the blame. Nash has got to share it. Durant's got to share it. Even James Harden's got to share it, even though he's not there anymore. You know, Ben Simmons, even though he hasn't suited up for the Nets yet, he's got to share it. Seth Curry's got to share it. They, they all, they're all the blame. Even down to Joe Harris, they're all the blame. You know, it, it's just, you know, it's as simple as that. But when you talk about, and I just mentioned, you know, over, overflating contracts, you know, there was one that came to mind because a lot of people have asked me, like with, with Bryce Harper, they said, why would he leave Washington when they gave him exactly what he wanted? And I say, you know, it's a good question. And I got the answer. If you go and you look at the offer that they gave Bryce Harper, it was exactly what he asked for, right? Not a dollar more, not a dollar less. The years were spot on. The money was spot on. Exactly what he wanted. That's not why he stayed. And this is where I have the fear if the Yankees are going to pay Aaron Judge a shitload of money that the Yankees may try to pull this one. Even though the Yankees can afford not to do it. And again, if they're going to pay, if they're going to pay Aaron Judge, and right now you need to, Again, front load, don't back load, don't defer. 
And this is why. Bryce Harper went to Philly because none of his money was being deferred. He was going to get all his money in his playing years. If he had stayed in Washington, he would have been getting paid 10 years past retirement. He would have been making more than some of the guys who would be on the current roster when he retired. That's why he didn't stay in Washington. That's the only reason he didn't stay in Washington. It's not because they gave him exactly what he wanted. It's because they gave him what he wanted, but they weren't going to give it to him in the time frame of the contract. So in essence, he would have wound up playing for free for X amount of years and then getting paid in retirement. And a lot of people sit there and say, well, you know, that's like money in the bank. Yeah, okay, I'll agree with you on that point. But the point that on Bryce Harper's viewpoint of it is, I'm playing now, I want my money now. And that's fair. That's fair. Nobody wants deferred contracts. I mean, look, look how big of a joke it is. You still have Bobby Bonilla Day with the Mets. Now it's Rick DiPietro Day with the Islanders because they deferred so much of his contract. He's getting paid now, I think, till 2029 or 39. You know, Bonilla's is still going to be a joke for the next 10, 12 years. So, what the fuck? That's why I'm saying if the Yankees are going to give Judge what he wants or close to it, if they meet in the middle somewhere, don't defer it. Don't backload, front load. This is why. You won't have these issues. And not only that, people are like, well, why can't you just backload the deal? And I've said it time and time again, so I guess I have to be repetitive here. Because if you backload the judge deal when he's in the decline at 37, 38 years old, how are you moving a guy that's getting 30 to 40 million a year to get younger talent in to replace him? You're not going to be able to. And if you do, you'll get what you want. But guess what? You're paying him to play for somebody else. Okay? And again, for those who have seen Moneyball, okay, and you remember the David Justice scene in the batting cage and him and Billy Bean are going at it, and he goes, well, I'm getting $8 million a year from you. And he goes, I'm not paying you $8 million. He goes, I'm paying you $4.5 million. George Steinbrenner's paying you $4.5 million to play against him. That's the scenario you would have if you backload this Aaron Judge contract. And I got asked the other day, again, because because this is the talk of it, what do I think is fair of a contract for Aaron Judge? It's eight years, 400. Team option for nine or a player option for nine. That's the money. That's it. If you say no to that, then, 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 then I don't know what to do. Do the Yankees go up higher in money? Give him the give him the years and the money? Who knows? But right now, Aaron Judge holds all the cards. Until he doesn't. Until Aaron Judge doesn't hold the cards, the Yankees are going to be handcuffed to whatever Aaron Judge wants. Is it fair? I mean... If you really want to look at it, the way Aaron Judge is playing now, can he continue that for the next eight years? That's the question that we're going to have to wait and see on. But do I think eight years, a player option for nine, 400 million is fair? Throw in a couple of incentives, you know, hey, you win MVP, you get this. You win World Series MVP, you get this. You know, you hit... X amount of home runs, you get this. You know, gold glove awards, you get this. You know, so, you know, 
I don't think I don't think my prediction of what the contract should be is wrong. But then again, we're all going to sit here and speculate. We're all going to debate it. We're all going to talk about it. And this is why I love the world of sports. This is why this is why a lot of us love doing these sports podcasts because everybody has a different opinion. And we're all entitled to it. You know, people that I'm that I've been become buddy buddy with while doing this, you know, we all share the same opinions. But when we have different opinions, we don't sit there and say yours is wrong. And, you know, I don't sit there and go like my buddies at 1420 Sports. I don't sit there. They post something. I don't sit there and say, oh, no, you're fucking wrong. You guys are morons. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. You're up in Canada. You don't know shit. No. I understand. I look at their viewpoint and I'll sit there and say, you know, listen, I disagree with it. And not that I don't think we've disagreed with anything yet, but, you know, There'll come a point where, where you know, where they'll think Aaron Judge should get X amount. And, and again, you know, everybody's entitled to it. Everybody that does a sports podcast is entitled to the opinion. Some, some I've listened to where I'm just like, no, no, absolutely not. I see one where somebody says they should make Aaron Judge the first billion dollar baseball player. Well, if they didn't do that with Mike Trout. Okay, what makes you think they're doing it with Aaron Judge? They're not going to. And I understand when when free agency hits, yes, teams like the Mets will drive up the money. That's why if you're the Yankees, the minute free agency hits, you already have a deal on the table. If Aaron Judge sits there and kindfully declines and says, I really want to see what's out there. If the Mets drive it up. Brian Cashman and, and Hal are gonna have to drop. Are gonna have to. <laughs> they're gonna have to find their balls, and they're gonna have to pony up. Because you don't want to see Aaron Judge go to Queens, and it's not because it's a Met Yankee rivalry thing. It it's the fact that if you let him go there and he's still dominant, you will regret it. If you see him go to San Francisco, and he's dominant. You will regret it. If you see him go to the Dodgers and he's dominant, the Yankees will regret ponying up more money. And that I think we could agree on. We have to give Aaron Judge a good contract, but we don't have to give him an absurd contract. We don't have to do it. We absolutely do not have to do it. Okay. But again, as far as I'm concerned, I'm optimistic. And I'll say it again. Aaron Judge does not leave the Bronx. The only time Aaron Judge is leaving the Bronx is for for the offseason to go back home, kick back, relax, maybe take a cruise, bang his wife out. That's all I can tell you. But he ain't leaving the Bronx. I don't see where the Yankees let the face walk away. That would be like if they'd ever let Derek Jeter leave. They didn't let Jeter leave and it panned out. Do you want to see what happens if you let Judge go? I don't think the Yankees are willing to travel that Stranger that Stranger Things road. Okay? Yeah, I threw a little Stranger Things in there. Yes, I did. Because if you let Judge go, worlds will collide. I'm telling you now it'll happen. Um, there was something else I'd seen, and this was a few weeks ago. So, when everybody who listens to this, I'm sure you'll, I'm sure you'll know what I'm talking about. They interviewed Manny Ramirez. Okay, we all remember Manny Ramirez. 
And he said, you know, if you would put Derek Jeter in Kansas City or anywhere else, he's not this global icon. He's not this guy that everybody talks about. He's not the captain. He's just Derek Jeter, mere man, pretty much. He's pretty much Mayor Ramirez is saying that if he was never a Yankee, he's not a Hall of Famer. Nobody knows who Derek Jeter is. And I have to say that's a bunch of bullshit. I really have to say that's a bunch of bullshit because Manny Ramirez, we all know who Manny Ramirez is. And if Derek Jeter played to the caliper he did in New York, let's say in Kansas City, or let's say in San Francisco, or let's say in Texas, or in Miami, or in Colorado, or in Minnesota, or Detroit. Or with Pittsburgh, let's say. Although Pittsburgh probably would have traded him for, for 10 batting cages and a bag of balls to the Yankees anyway. But Derek Jeter would still be who Derek Jeter is in the grand scheme of things. Just not with the pinstripes. So yes, Derek Jeter would be relevant. Derek Jeter would still be the guy he is with or without the Yankees. And you could sit there and say, no, he wouldn't. But yes, he would. You could take all your sabermetrics and all your bullshit, little fucking acronyms, whip war, raw, uh, HBUs, whatever the fuck. I don't give a shit. Okay? Bottom line is this. Watch Derek Jeter's play on the field. Watch Derek Jeter be clutch at the plate. Okay? I don't care. Again, when it comes down to how I grade people, it's not based on all these dumb sabermetrics, some fucking 39-year-old virgin in his basement who can't get no pussy, okay, came up with all these acronyms, and all of a sudden, this is how we're judging everybody, okay? Because that's not how I make, that's not how I determine what a great baseball player is, or football player, or hockey player, or basketball player. I determine it based on what I see on my TV or when I'm live at a game. And what they've done over the course of their career. And Derek Jeter is every bit of it. Okay? Just like Alex Rodriguez is every bit of it. Cal Ripken is every bit of it. Without your dumb little sabermetric bullshit. Okay? Jacob DeGrom will go down as one of the best Met pitchers of all time. If not a top 10 pitcher of all time. Okay. Yes, I get he plays for the Mets. And yes, I'm a Yankee fan saying it. Okay. I don't care about what his whip is, his raw is, his fucking whatever. I don't give a shit. And neither should you. I'm not sitting there at a game with a little scorebo- a score- scorebook. Oh my God, he just gave up a hit. Well, his walks, hits, innings pitch now is this. Oh my God. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Okay. What makes a great player is what he leaves out on the field. That's what makes a great player. All that other nonsense is bullshit. The only stats you should care about if he's a, if he's a, if he's a guy at the plate is his batting average, on-base percentage, RBIs, what he does with runners in scoring position. That's about it. That th- that sabermetric I can understand. Okay? I don't care about anything else. Okay? I don't Neither should you. But there's some of you out there that, that will base it on sabermetrics. So if you do, eh, whatever. But I don't. I'm not going to. I never did. And I'm not going to start now. I understand. You're going to sit there and say, well, you don't care about sabermetrics, but you talk about as sports evolves, we have to evolve with it. Yeah, but we don't have to agree on everything in it. 
We don't have to agree on everything in it. I talk sports with people all the time, and I don't agree with what a lot of they say, but I don't sit there and say, you're wrong. Because again, we all view it different. We all view it different. If you're a guy who wants to base Andy Pettit on every Sabre metric, okay, you're entitled to that. But I'm not going to do it. You can't force me to do it. Just like I can't force you to look at Andy Pettit without the Sabre metrics. If that's something you're into, then that's something you're into. But again, we're, we're basing a lot of this on some fucking virgin in a basement who can't get none unless he's got a pocket pussy. Come on. Come on. Come on. You know, again, that's my viewpoint. But I got to get ready to take care of some things here at work after 4th of July. So, But I said there would be an episode on Tuesday, so I had to come through for everybody. So with that being said, you know, as always, I like to show my appreciation and give some shout outs to those that follow, retweet and listen. Obviously, my guys at 1420 Sports. I hope you got a kick out of this one. Um Average Joe Sports Podcast, another good one to check out. My buddy Nate's Daily Wagers. If you're into pro wrestling, and my next one, might I might throw a little more into it, but if you're into pro wrestling, uh, Bray White Fan24 on Twitter's got a good one. Uh, so make sure to check that out. And everybody else who follows and retweets, as always, it's appreciated. So to the next one, stay safe, and as always, peace.